I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back, mamas. Our first podcast for 2018. I hope that the Christmas break and the time with your family has been filled with joy But I also know the reality of that time of year and what it can be like with little ones. So I hope that you have found moments of peace, space to breathe, to think about the year ahead, to give yourself what you need so you can keep showing up as the best parent you can be. This year, in this podcast, I want to talk a lot about how we value motherhood the way we see ourselves and how the world and our society sees us and how we can start to really appreciate, value and honour who we are and what we're doing. It's going to be an amazing year here at Happy Mama and I am so grateful you're here to share it with me. For the first podcast of 2018, I wanted to bring you an interview that's actually about parenting not something that I often talk about. As I like to say, I am about the woman, not the parent. But when I read Justin Colson's latest book, 10 Things Every Parent Needs to Know, and his approach to parenting, I knew it was in line with what I talk about too. He is all about valuing what you do and your role, consciously thinking about who you want to be and how you want to raise your children and just what type of life you want to live. And his latest book is amazing. If you're looking for insights into how you can parent this year, I highly recommend it. So it's a little different for us here at Happy Mama to be focusing on parenting skills. But I know when you listen to this interview, you will be moved to tears like I was when I recorded it. Justin has a beautiful way of valuing parenting and in particular the role of mothers, which is what we're all about. Enjoy. This is the Happy Mama Movement with your host, Amy Taylor-Cabaz, author, mama to three and editor of the Happy Mama magazine. In my mamahood journey, I have gone from an overachieving, addicted to busyness superwoman to finally slowing down, simplifying and realising that being a mama is the greatest self-development teacher in the world. And after more than 15 years covering breaking news, I've swapped current affairs to inspiration and now bring you the best I can find every week to help us feel more connected as women as we raise our families. Because when we come together, amazing things happen. So welcome to the movement. 
Justin, thank you for, for being here today. You are the first male on my podcast and I've been doing this podcast for three years. So this is a very special moment. <laughs> thank you no for pressure. joining me. No, no pressure at all. <laughs> but the entire, half the entire species is relying on me to do a good job today. Exactly. <laughs> but as the father of six daughters, I think you know how to speak to women, six daughters, Oh my goodness, that would give my my husband heart palpitations to think about that. <laughs> What's that like? They are uh, most of the time they they're just delightful. Uh, I I love these kids so much, like like any parent, I suppose. Uh, my youngest baby girl is uh, three and a half, um, and then my eldest is no, oh, she's eighteen. She's an adult. She's starting uni this year. She's living life and uh, just just a great kid. So I've got an eighteen year old, a fifteen year old, a uh, 14-year-old, a 10-year-old, 7-year-old, and 3-year-old. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) So you certainly know what you're talking about. But the reason why I really wanted you on this podcast was because your insights into parenting are so in line with what I like to talk to all the mummers about. And everyone knows who listens to this podcast. This isn't a place to talk about parenting skills as such. There are other podcasts for that. What I do is I talk about the women that are mummers and that are drowning and are trying to do the best they can and are losing themselves along the way and know that there's a better way. And the better way always, always starts with themselves and looking at their own thinking and their own beliefs and how we can heal anything that's holding us back or keeping us stuck so we can be better mamas and better parents. So Justin, out of all of the topics that you speak about, what we thought you and I in our little prep was best to dive into was this idea of trying to find more joy as parents, that the way we live our lives these days, we are so busy and worried about keeping up with the Joneses and having things organized and and right all of the time that we're kind of missing the joy of raising children. I know my husband started 2017 saying, this year my only focus is I want to have more fun. We're not having enough fun. All we do is we work to earn money, to pay for things, to rush to, put your shoes on, put your shoes off, get out of the bath, get in the bath, go to bed, wake up. It just feels like we're on this automatic life all of the time. So this is such a big thing for parents. I'm sure you see all of them feeling like this. Yeah, it's it's funny. You've just got to go for a walk through the shopping center and look at the parents who have got children with them mm. and, and have a look at their face. And, and I'm, I'm yet to see a parent walking through the shopping center with their kids laughing and smiling and having a nice day. <laughs> they, they look miserable. They're, they're like, oh, get me out of here. And, uh, you know, the shopping center isn't usually the best place to have children anyway, but you can go down to the park mm. and, and you see the same thing. Parents, I, I, I just think that there is not enough um, – I, I don't see happy parents often enough. I see parents who are stressed and frazzled and who just want to get the kids out of their hair. You know, our language, you, you touched on this in, in those introductory remarks just before you mentioned your husband's goal for 2017. Um, you you mentioned our language, and, and I want to touch on this just briefly. The things that we say to ourselves create the world that we live in. Our words create our world. And and I listen to the things that parents say about their kids to themselves and to others, and I'm not 
surprised that there's an absence of joy. So these are the things that I hear parents say, oh, for goodness sakes, these kids. Mm. Oh, would they just, I just want five minutes of peace and quiet. I just want to be able to go to the toilet alone. Yet what, what, are they, what are they doing on the table? Get your backside off the bench. You know, and, and these, these things that we say, these things that we notice are remarkably impactful in the way that we see our children and our family and the joy that we feel. I, I want to share a story. I usually finish my workshops with this story. I'm starting right with the best stuff uh, today. But um, there's, a, there's an old story about a young man who heard about the gold rush. In the 1800s, you remember there were these gold rushes out west and everyone packed up their things and headed out to the gold fields to strike it rich. And he'd heard there are, there, there are gold nuggets rolling down the rivers. So he packed up and he went out there and he sat down by the river with his pan day after day after day, pulling rocks out of the river, pulling sediment out of the river, but no gold nuggets. And his hands got dirty and calloused and he wore through his clothes and his boots and his shoes. And it was hard work and it was wet and it was rocky and it was messy and just horrible work. And eventually he accumulated a wonderful pile of rocks beside him, but no gold nuggets. He ran out of money. He decided he was going to have to go home and ask his parents to please take me back. Let me start again. This has been a dramatic failure. And as he sat just completely forlorn on the side of the riverbank one day, uh, a, a wealthy, wealthy prospector, an elderly man walked past and chuckled and quietly said, it's, a, <laughs> it's quite a pile of rocks you got there, son. And, and, and the young man sort of lashed out. He said, I've been here for months. I've given everything to find gold. They said that there were nuggets rolling down this river and I haven't found a single nugget here. You know, he was really just whining about how horrible life was. And, and, and the prospector, paused and said, I, I think you're, you're wrong. I think, I think you'd be surprised what you're sitting on right here. And, and the, the prospector sort of invited him over and said, have a look in my pouch. The pouch was bulging with gold. And, uh, and the young man said, yeah, you've found plenty of nuggets, haven't you? Not me, though. There's nothing here. I haven't found a thing. And the man said, just take a look. Just ha have a look here. And so this, the young man, he got up and he walked over and he looked into the old man's pouch. And he saw as he glanced into that pouch that there was not a single gold nugget. Instead, there were thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of tiny flecks of gold. The prospector bent over and picked up one of the rocks that was in that pile and he cracked it open and sort of uh, crumbled the rock in his hand and said, look, and inside the rock there were all these gold flecks. And again, the young man looked at it and he said, but I don't want the gold flecks, I want the nuggets. And then the man said something really important. He said, young man, it is the steady accumulation of these flecks of gold that has made me wealthy. Mm. And I think that when it comes to family life, we often look for these gold nuggets. We're looking for the moment of joy, that moment of pure bliss where all the kids are tucked in bed and they've got their hair washed and their teeth brushed and they're saying, I love you, mum. I love you, dad. Thank you for that story. Can we sing a song now? And, and we're, we're looking for that Saturday morning where the, the lace curtains are billowing in the gentle breeze and the sun's shining in the blue sky and we're laying in our perfectly pressed linen sheets and the children run in in the morning and their hair has already been blow dried. They did it themselves and they've brushed their teeth. It's Listerine, minty, fresh. And they say, mother, father, we've got your breakfast prepared for you in the dining room. Would you like to join us? And everyone's wearing their perfect white clothing. And that just doesn't happen. Like that, that, they're the gold nuggets, right? But they, they don't exist. But if we look carefully, we can find tremendous joy in, in most moments, 
in the laughter of our child or that funny little quip that the three-year-old makes accidentally without realizing what she said, or in that little bit where she's just humming to herself while she plays in the corner with her doll or with her Tonka truck or whatever it is that you give your kids to play with. It's those those moments where we just walk through the shopping center and we reach out and put our hand in theirs and they hold it mm. and they look at us and smile. That's that's where the joy is. And and we have dozens, hundreds of those moments every day if our eyes are open to it. But our language is so important. So often we say, oh, this is hard work. This is messy work. This is wet, sticky, icky, horrible, hard work. I'm sick of being a parent. This is so hard. And it and it taints the way that we see what we're sitting on. This pile of rocks is actually full of gold flecks if we'll do the hard work to find it. Oh, I love that so much because that is exactly what mindfulness and parenting is all about for me, is noticing those beautiful little moments and, and hanging on to those rather than all the other ones. But Justin, I have this question I really want to ask you then because as you painted that picture of the children skipping into the bedroom in the morning in the perfect white <laughs> linen and they're already blow-dried their own hair and have made the breakfast in the dining room. It obviously sounds ridiculous, but why do we hang on to that idea of that, that being what we're aiming for then? Obviously, that's not going to be our reality. It ain't ever going to happen in my family. I know that for sure. So why do we hang on to this ridiculous ideal then? What's your yeah. thoughts on that? Two words, Instagram yeah, <laughs> uh, or Facebook or parenting magazines or whatever it is. I mean, look, we, we have this expectation and sometimes we create it ourselves, but often we see it. I, I, I was on a news website a couple of months ago and I saw this woman who had the perfect pantry. And I looked at it and for a moment I longed for a pantry like hers <laughs> because it was so neat and orderly and it was color-coded and it was this and it was that. And she suddenly changed my expectation of what an acceptable pantry should be. Mm. And and part of me wanted to send it to my wife and say, Kylie, this is what... <laughs> that would have I, gone down really well. <laughs> I didn't send it. I, I didn't send it. Uh, but... You know, we've we've got these expectations of perfection, and we've got to let go of them. Let me let me uh, let me quickly sort of shift the focus for a minute because this helps us to put that question in perspective. I want to give you a number. Here's the number. You ready? Mm-hmm. Nine hundred and thirty-six. What do you think nine hundred and thirty-six represents? Just have a random guess in terms of parenting and raising our children. What do you reckon nine hundred and thirty-six could mean? Oh, I don't know. It's- images we get a day of what we it should look like or something i have no idea <laughs> okay let, let, let's let's do this if we count the number of weekends that we get with our children as long as all goes well with our kids mm. that there are 52 weekends every year and our children are children for 18 years mm-hmm. the sum total of weekends that we have to spend with them 936 mm. And of course, we don't get all of them because there's birthday parties and there's work and there's sport and there's family commitments and there's there's church or there's whatever it is that we do on the weekends. All of these other things get in the way of that. But you've got 936 Saturdays with your kids. That's it. And and if your ch- ch- children are, are five, you've already lost 250 odd, 260 odd. That they're already gone. And, and and so I think that when we remind ourselves of this. It makes it easy to remember how important it is to make the most of most moments. You know, what is the main thing? There's a great quote. I love this quote. I, I heard it years ago and it's always stuck with me. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. 
And so when, when you think about parenting, what is the main thing? It, it's about the, the quality of the relationship that you have with your kids. And it's about the joy that you experience in your family with your kids. And if you're so busy running around from here to there, and like you said, you've got this routine that is absolutely driving everyone to distraction and to exhaustion. And if you don't have time in the night for for 10 or 15 minutes of what I call nighttime nurture, that special evening time with the kids. And if in the mornings you're so rushed that all you're doing is, uh, you know, saying, for goodness sakes, would you hurry up? Get things going. You're we're running late. Where are your shoes? What do you mean you don't know where your shoes are? Uh, you know, find your lunchbox. I, it should be in your bag. Where's your bag? And, and, you know, that horrible, horrible morning routine that we've all been through from time to time because we've got so much going on. When we step back and we think, my goodness, I've only got this, this short time with them. I need to keep the main thing the main thing. And it, it, it shifts the perspective and it helps us to find much more joy. So how do we do that, Justin? If we are in those morning routines and we do feel like the treadmill of life is slamming us and we're not the parents that we want to be, we're not being the mama we want to be, we're not having those 936 weekends the way we want them to be, what do we do? Yeah, you know, I got a, um, I got a message from a mum and, and I'm, I want to read this quote. I'm just, I'm just finding it really quickly here. This mum got in touch with me and she just said, uh, she said the following. She said, um, hi, Justin, I am the epitome of everything you disagree with as a parent. I smack, I yell, I put the kids in timeout. I have no patience, especially with my son. Sorry, I'm getting a bit weepy because I know what she said mm. next. She said, I hate it. I hate me as a mum. I know I'm failing my children and I just can't stop. I lose my temper. And what's worse, I have to fight the feeling of wanting to actually smack so hard that I want to hurt my son to teach him a lesson. I know you're right and I'm wrong. I need help. Mm. I've, I've read your articles and, and what you say resonates so much. I want to change. I want to be a better mum. And I think I think every one of us as parents have had that moment where we think, oh, my goodness, what am I doing? I've turned into the parent that I swore I would never be. I want to give you a couple of ideas about how we can find more joy and how we can make this work. So let me start with mornings. Okay, so let's let's think about this for just a second. How many mums, dads, parents who are listening to this, uh, I'm going to make an assumption that kids are school age for this particular example, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mornings in my home, we try to make mornings go like this at least three or four times a week. We can't do it every day, but we try to do it the majority of the time. We know what time the kids have got to get up. So we go into their room about 15 minutes before they need to be awake, and we sit on the bed beside them, and we give them a hug and a kiss and say, good morning. Just thought I'd give you a little bit of extra time to wake up. If you'd like a massage, uh, we're, we're going to do some five-minute massages in our bedroom in a couple of minutes, <laughs> so come on in. And so we have cuddle and massage time with the kids 15 minutes before they even need to be moving. And and what what do you think that does for the rest of the morning just wow. by doing that? Wow. You know, it, it's a calm start. We put on nice, quiet, easy music. When it's time to get things going, we put on fun music, like this is going to be the best day of my life, that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and, and we do other things as well, like your, your morning actually starts the night before. So with this many kids going to school, we get the lunch boxes out the night before and we, we pack the stuff that doesn't perish, you know, the, the snacks and, and the fruit. We get that ready so that in the morning we've only got to do the sandwiches fresh. 
Now, that, that saves so much angst and stress in the morning. And our kids are now big enough to pretty much get their lunch on their own. So we don't tell our kids what to do. We don't say, go find your shoes, go brush your teeth, go brush your hair. Even with our younger kids, we say, what's next? What haven't you done? And so instead of telling them what to do, we calmly guide them through the morning by asking them what they need to do. And they say, oh, I still haven't brushed my teeth. I'm like, okay, off you go. And can you see how that that just keeps things calm? It, mm. it, it changes the focus. Um, I have a friend. His name's Rob. He's he's just the loveliest guy. Rob's got three teenagers, so probably a different uh, demographic to to many parents who will listen to the podcast. But he he's a devoted dad. Three kids in their teens. A really gentle dad. Never seems rattled. Never seems perturbed. Um, just calm about everything, and not wealthy at all, but, but content. And, and, and something that I noticed about Rob was, was this Rob used to just go and sit in the living room, no screen, no TV, no book, just, he'd just sit on the couch in the living room and the kids would walk past him and, and they'd be like, Hey dad, what you doing? And he'd smile and say, I'm just sitting here. And they'd come and sit down and they'd talk to him because what do kids do when they see their parents doing nothing? Mm, talk. They gravitate to mm. us. They talk. And, and he, he just had this wonderful relationship with his kids because he was always available to them. Yeah. And they knew that they mattered. He would listen. Now, Rob, um, Rob was um, 49 a couple of months ago, 49 when his heart stopped beating at dinner one night. And that was it. He died. He had a massive heart attack, 49, just shy of 50, a couple of weeks before his 50th birthday. And I grieved so much for, for, for his beautiful wife, Michelle, and their, and their three kids because they've lost such a, a deeply loved father. But one thing that I, I thought about as I went through this was they had so many moments of joy. And those moments of joy were really small, simple things, sitting in the lounge room playing a game of Uno or Boggle or just chatting about the day. And those kids knew that they were loved. They, th- their last moments with their dad were calm and serene, and he was chatting with them at dinner, just having fun with them. And I thought, that's, that's the kind of parent that we all want to be, right? We want to be available for our kids. We want them to know that they matter and that we're there. We can sit down and sing some songs with them or play a game or just chat about their day. Mm. And that's where the joy is in parenting. Mm. Oh, I'm with you with the emotions around this. I have had so many emails that are similar to that one that you received of these these women, these mamas who just so want to do a better job, so want to be different and parent their children maybe differently the way than the way they were parented, but they just don't know how to start. So thank you for all that you do and, and sharing those stories. It was really amazing insights. One of the things that I could hear you saying, which is another one of your chapters in your new book, is our children simply only need to know that they matter and belong. And if we can keep that in mind, you know, that beautiful quote you said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. (laughs) If we can just remember that if they just feel that they matter and they belong, then we're doing a good job. Is that right? Research tells us that 
the most important thing for a child to grow up resilient and happy, and let's face it, we all want happy, resilient kids, is for them to know that they matter, to know that they belong somewhere, that they they're where they're supposed to be. I love the story. I'm sure you've heard the story. It's a little bit corny mm-hmm. and, and it probably shouldn't affect me the way it does because it is so corny. But there's a story of a little boy who's just itching to play with dad, but dad's too busy, keeps putting him off. I'll play with you later, mate. Um, listen, buddy, I, you know, I've just got to get this thing done and then I'll be with you. I've just got to finish this email. Um, just got to just got to finish this level of candy crush. I'm about to get a high score, you know, <laughs> whatever it was. And And, and one day, this dad, he's walking past the kitchen and he sees his little boy taking some coins from mum and dropping them into a piggy bank. And he's thinking, that's funny. I didn't think we were giving him pocket money. And then a few days later, he walks past his son's bedroom and he sees him laying on the bed counting out these coins on the on the doona. And, and then one night he's sitting at the computer doing after hours work, which so many of us have to do these days. And he's emailing and his son walks over to him and he's got these coins jangling in his pocket. He says, dad, yeah, hang on, a, you know, hang on a tick, mate. I'm just um, typing to finish this email. And then, you know, he looks at him and says, yes, son, what is it? And, and the little boy says, Dad, how much do you get paid an hour? <laughs> That's a funny question. I, I, I get quite a lot, actually. I, I think it works out at about $80 an hour. And this little kid's face just falls. You know, he, there's just this sadness. And, 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 and he says, I only have, I only have 14. <laughs> I've only got $14. And, and dad says, well, what do, you, what do you need the money for? And, and his little boy says, I've been saving up so that I can buy an hour of your time. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I'm ever going to have enough. Now, I, I, I'm a big sook. I admit it. I know some people are probably listening going, for goodness sakes, this guy's just a sook. But that story gets me mm-hmm. because in spite of the what I think is a f- fairly predictable level of cheesiness, there's this there's this reality that, that I resonate with that our kids just want to connect with us and, and they need us to stop what we're doing and look them in the eyes and listen to what's going on in their lives. And when we do that, they feel so validated. They feel like they matter. They feel like they're important to us. And, and that, is, that is everything in a child's life, even as, as adults for us. You think about the people that you're in significant relationships with, when they stop and they look and they listen, when they actually connect with you, it gives you a sense of quality in that relationship that is absolutely missing when they don't. Oh, I'm with you. That story made me teary too, and I'm a big sook as well, so we'll get teary together. But can I put my other hat, take off my sentimental mummy hat and put on my journalist hat and say, Justin, that sounds awesome, but what if your life does require you at times to finish the email and how do we teach children because you know this is such the old school way of parenting I can hear in my head but you should respect the boundaries that someone needs to finish something before they're interrupted Um, you know how that is just such a messy lurky muddy area how do we teach respect and um, honoring each other as well as being 100% there for our children? How do we do what our life and our work requires us while also be so giving to these beautiful human beings that are all we want to do? How do you do that? It's the most common question when I talk about this stuff. Parents are like, yeah, but in the real world, um, oh. you know, I've, I've, got, I've got two other kids or yeah. I've got 
I've got to get out the door for work. So there's a few things that we can do. The first thing is that we we want to be well prepared. So we're not rushing. I mean, there's a there's another lovely quote to a child lover spelled T-I-M-E. If that's the case, what does hurry up say to a child? So if we can set things up so that we're moving quickly, uh, sorry, so that we're moving slowly as opposed to quickly, we can automatically uh, improve things. If we're in the middle of something and we cannot be interrupted, um, uh, sometimes we actually have to help our children to understand that they just need to wait. Mm. But there are some really easy ways to do that, um, especially with young children. I don't know if you have an oven timer on your oven, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I, I say to my little kids all the time, if you go and set the oven timer for eight minutes or 12 minutes or three minutes or whatever it is, as soon as it goes ding, I'll be finished this and I can give you my undivided attention. Mm. I, I, every now and again, I'm doing a live radio interview and my three-year-old starts screaming, dad, 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 dad. And, and you know, I'm running down the driveway trying to get away from my <laughs> child because I'm doing this live radio oh, interview. Goodness, but, you're telling this story. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but every now and again, I've actually had to do this on live radio. I've had to say to the presenter, I know that this is a live interview, but you can hear my three-year-old in the background. Can you um, can you just turn the mic down for a sec and and talk? And I'll be back with you in fifteen seconds. Mm. And, and it's a little bit hard for the poor old presenter, uh, but they've managed to survive each time. And I think it's happened twice in ten years. It's not like it's a common occurrence. Uh, and, and that's that's the other thing. It doesn't have to happen that often. But they've been able to ad lib. I've been able to crouch down, hug my baby, say, "I love you so much." I'm on the phone. What do you need? I'll fix it as, as soon as I'm done on the phone. Uh, you know, let's set the oven timer. Let's let's do it. If you've got older kids, you can say, let's talk about this in the car in 20 minutes when we're driving to that activity. Mm. Um, I, I want to hear what you're saying, but I can't pay attention right now because what, what I'm doing, um, as soon as the oven timer goes off, I'll be right with you. Or I'm on the phone and I really want to focus on you properly. As soon as I'm off this call, can I come get you? Mm. you know, that just, just simply explaining to the kids calmly what's going on is is often enough. But here's a really interesting thing about this, Amy. I remember one night I was in the kitchen, I was cooking. I'm a terrible cook and I've really got to concentrate on what I'm doing. And one of my one of my kids, she's aged about three, she's at my leg, she's tapping on my leg saying, dad, 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 dad. And I'm thinking, my goodness, I'm stirring stuff in this pan here and I, I, I've got to add more stuff. And I was starting to get a bit freaked out because I was trying to do that. And I knew that as a parenting expert, I was supposed to pay attention to my daughter. <laughs> and, and then I paused and I thought, hang on, I can, I can fix this. So I, I turned the element off on the stove and I crouched down in front of my baby girl and I said, You've been trying to talk to me. What is it that you need? I'm sorry for not listening properly. And she smiled at me and she said, I love you, Dad. And then she skipped off into the lounge room. And so, so so often our kids will be like, I need you, I need you. And we're like, I can't give you my time. I'm busy. I'm doing important things. And they only need us for five seconds. Mm. And then the times when they don't, we can hear them out for 10 or 15 seconds and then explain what we're up to and how soon we can help. Mm. And it's remarkable as well <laughs> how often they can figure things out once they've been heard. It's so true. And it also is a beautiful reminder that a lot of the time we're unconsciously busy anyway. We're not in the middle of a live radio interview. We just happen to be scrolling through Facebook or we're doing something that's not that necessary or important right now. It's just where our attention is. So it also allows us to look at what we're doing with our time and our attention and our focus. I, th- I think that's the key. You know, most 
most of the time, whatever we're doing can actually be put on pause for 30 seconds. Mm. And, and usually that's all it takes. Mm. When it is going to take longer and when we don't have the time, if we calmly and patiently give a hug, spend a few moments listening and then explain that we'll be with them soon, most of the time that's enough. And you and I both know that if it really is that urgent, we're going to get off that phone call to the real estate agent or the bank manager or the boss because we've got a child bleeding and mm. nobody is going to insist that we're going to stay on the phone mm. while that child bleeds. Exactly. Wow. Wow. You have a, an amazing way of actually making it all sound quite achievable. <laughs> Thank well, you for well, that. <laughs> it's, it, the, the thing that scares me when you say that, Amy, is because, I mean, I've, I've got six of my own and as much as I, it, it can sound achievable, we both know that there are still going to be moments where we where it all falls apart. I, I have days as the expert where where I just get it so wrong. Mm. <laughs> where there is no joy to be found, and and nobody wants to be near me because I'm it's it's not working. And 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 this is one of the hardest things about parenting is there's so many other things. You know, there's other kids and there's pressures, and you know we're we're dealing with dramas with our mother or our mother-in-law or our spouse or partner, and the boss is giving us pressure. Or there's you know we're overloaded and we're stressed. Life does get in the way of us being great parents. But whenever a parent says to me, I just, I can't do it. Uh, it's not working. It's not working out. I'm, I'm getting it all wrong. There's one thing that I think every, every parent needs to hear, and that is you're enough. As a parent, you are enough. And I, I, I think that every mum who's listening, every dad who's listening, needs to believe that especially when things aren't going well, I think that rather than judging ourselves as parents by the way our children are turning out or by the fact that we're getting it wrong, which which completely ignores you know the realities of life, by the way, we're much better off basing our judgment on the fact that we keep on trying. Mm. And any parent who is trying to help their child and trying to be a better parent is enough. Mm -hmm. When they're driving us mad, are we trying to improve things? If so, we're enough. And maybe we do get it wrong and maybe we do lick our wounds and retire to the bedroom and return when we can be kind and patient and that is enough. I, I want to I share a, a, a quote. It's from the novel 93 by Victor Hugo, a French writer. I'm sure you've heard of Victor Hugo. Oh, of course. And, and, and this, is, this is the quote and, and it, it just gets me every time. She broke the bread into two fragments and gave them to her children who ate with eagerness. She hath kept none for herself, grumbled the sergeant, because she's not hungry, said a soldier. No, said the sergeant, because she is a mother. <laughs> Oh, see, now you're going to make me cry. Wow. Oh, I know. <laughs> but but, but this, is the, this is my point. No parent who's listening to this podcast is making their children go hungry so that they can eat. No parent who's listening to this podcast is doing horrible things to their child to make them suffer. Every parent who's listening to this podcast is enough because they're trying and they want to be better. I love uh, – let, let's, let's get cultural for a second. I love uh, Shakespeare, King Lear. Um, speaking of her love for her parent, Cordelia says, my love's richer than my tongue. I cannot heave my heart into my mouth. Mm. 
and so there's this mm-hmm. there's this bond, there's this love, and and we've got to remember we're enough. If we can feel that way towards our children, then we're enough. Forget the endless laundry; it's always going to be there. Just just love them. Mm-hmm. Just love them. You're enough. Wow. Thank you so, so much. That was truly an amazing podcast to start the year and for the first mail. I don't think anyone can follow you now, Justin. That was truly (laughs) amazing. And even on a practical level, just going into my kids' room 15 minutes before they need to wake up and slowly starting to just spend that 15 minutes with them, that I'm starting that tomorrow morning. So that alone is going to change our lives. Thank you so much. It's so nice talking to you. May, may I just mention mm. most of the things that we've talked about today are, are all in my brand new book, and, and the book is called Ten Things Every Parent Needs to Know. And um, if if it's been enjoyable, can I can I just give it a bit of a plug and, oh, and let absolutely. Like the books there. Yes, I was just about to do that. So, Mamas, two of the things um, that we spoke about today are in those ten things, but. Justin's run through all of them with me before we spoke and they're all truly amazing. It is a really beautiful way to look at parenting that looks at yourself and what you're focusing on and finding the joy and the mindfulness and realizing that you are enough exactly as as you are. And um, I will put the link to Justin's new book and his website with this podcast. So thank you so much for this. It's been amazing. It's great talking to you, Amy. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening to the Happy Mama Movement. I truly believe that great things happen when we come together to support and uplift each other. So to help spread the word and build the movement, I'd love it if you could pop over and leave a review. And if you have a mama friend who'd also love this insight, please share with her. Until next time, beautiful mama. Satnam. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.